Blackboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as my feelings for the Montreal Canadiens management right now, man. Like, I get taking David Reinbacher. He's, you know, a very, very solid prospect. He could turn out to be a top-pairing right-shot defenseman, and those guys don't grow on trees. But when you have the chance to take the best Russian prospect since Alexander Ovechkin, and his numbers actually compare favorably to Alexander Ovechkin. I mean. You do it. You just do it. Who cares if he takes three years to get here? We're not going to be good for the next three years anyways. Um, just well, welcome, to the off, welcome to the off season, everyone. You can tell where we are. There's moves happening. Fans are over here praying that, you know, this season will be this season finally, you know. Hopefully we'll we'll get some positive Habs uh, development for Matt in the future, but uh, not not at this moment. Not at this moment from what we're hearing. Bro, they took four goalies in this draft. Who? Four. Somebody's somebody is coping and trying to replace uh, a, a certain Gary goaltender Bryce. in their life. Like, come on, guys. Bro. Ugh, whatever, man. Pain. It is what it is. Yeah. Look, look. Hey, think about it this way, okay? The Habs not so great. Positivity. The Nuggies absolutely nailed it for you. They got their championship. They did it a couple weeks ago now. You know, everything's just been sizzling, but that Nuggets team absolutely dominated. They had uh, a pretty banger parade to celebrate afterwards. A lot of good times in the mile high, that's for sure. Yeah, man. Nikola Jokic realized why people like to stay for the parade and just don't go right back home to Serbia, right? Uh, No, it was good. (laughs) They're they're well deserving. It was an easy pick. Come on, man. Like, even when the Heat won that for that second game, I knew from the onset that okay, you won on forty eight percent shooting from three, and you barely eke that out. Chances are you're gonna win the series next to none. <laughs> tough, tough series for the Heat to pull out. Proud of Spolstra and the boys for getting one. Now they have to, you know, roll back, reset, try to figure out how they can get back to here next time preferably an easier route not as the you know eighth or seventh seed that they ended up having to go through themselves so yeah but when it comes to the nuggets conversations of a dynasty conversations of where they can go you know we'll talk about bruce brown because he probably ain't coming back but mike malone was saying that we're running it back potentially one of the greatest you know all-time coach parade moments in mike malone that guy sorry Michael Malone, I can't disrespect the championship coach over here, but I mean, what do you say about this Nuggets team, Matt? You know, pretty proud of all of these guys to come together. Legendary old heads like Ish Smith and Jeff Green getting rings finally. Like, it's a pretty fantastic storyline all around. No, man, it was, I mean, it was great. And uh, it's funny because Michael Porter Jr. had like a pretty mundane series and that in game five, like really helped them out to win that game. Um, didn't feel like Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray really had it. Like they couldn't buy a bucket, man. Like it was crazy the amount of threes that they missed, the the open shots that they just bricked. Um, and like Mike, Michael Malone said it, he, you know, he was like, you know, we were tight. They were very tight. They were nervous. Like they had a shot at it and, you know, the heat almost capitalized on, on taking them out. Um, that ending, I mean, NBA, can you be less obvious about trying to rig the games to go (laughs) more like that kick? Like 
so Aaron Gordon followed him with his junk? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. But, hey, uh, the Nuggets ended up winning. Uh, Aaron Gordon getting, you know, touted out as the third best player on this team. Uh, when I feel like on any given night, it was, you know, multiple different guys. I feel like Aaron Gordon definitely stepped up the most in the finals. Um, I mean, next to Bruce Brown. But, yeah, like, this is, like, the beauty of winning an NBA championship if you're, like, a role guy is that you get to, like, get all this praise yeah. and everyone talks about how integral and how, you know, pivotal you were. And, and don't get me wrong, he was, and he played amazing in the finals. But, man, like, can we, like, understand that he was the third best option on that team, that, like, you know, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic are the reasons yeah. that we we're talking about the Nuggets at all? It's fun to celebrate these guys, though, because... You know, we lived through the era of the super teams of Golden State where there's so many good players and LeBron would drag whoever and his drag us through. And <laughs> now we've seen these teams where it comes to certain guys at the right moment stepping up to be the role player. You know, we saw Drew Holiday help the Bucks. Should I say Anthony Davis helping LeBron? That We can say that that was just a LeBron anomaly his time. But, you know, you think about the additions with Aaron Gordon. You think about the additions of Andrew Wiggins, right? Like I'm interested to see if that can continue over the next few years or if the CBA and, and the changes, for example, will stop it from having such an impactful third player. And if it really will be down to these, you know, plethora of role players coming in to step up and, and be that role. Like it'll be interesting to see how the dynamic of these storylines come down to with these championship caliber teams. No, man, like we've talked about before, the middle class of the NBA is, is definitely going to shrink. Uh, with the new CBA, and you're going to have to definitely, you know, um, earmark that money for for the right players. Because if you give it to the wrong guy who's not at that level, it's not like it used to be. Um, it's going to be a lot more punitive. Um, and I also do want to shout out the fact that Aaron Gordon was um, just a boss celebrating with fans in the street Dude. without his shirt on, just still in his game shorts <laughs> and and shoes. Like it was it was awesome, man. I really love that one. He had to match the Michael Malone coach energy, but yeah, I was as an as an Aaron Gordon fan who was talking about him throughout this playoff run. I was really happy to see him come out and dominate this Miami Heat team in the way that he should. But then also still just casually being a role player later on in the series, like a guy who figured out how to kind of have it all at this point. But you know your point your point to talking about salaries and paying certain guys, I think rolls perfectly into Raps Chat this time. Our first real good conversation of a Raps Chat that we've gotten to have in a while because we have some decisions to make. Not us, obviously, the front office, but we have to figure out where the money's going to land, who's going to have the minutes, who's going to have the ball in their hands. And as of tomorrow night, the ball might drop with the man Fred Van Vliet himself, the perfect place to start, a guy who was looking for the bag and who Matt and I both do not want to pay that absolute bag because it just ain't worth it for what he can provide. Look, man, I saw something uh, recently from uh, like Twitter, NBA Twitter, where he's shooting like 38% on field goal attempts since he was an all-star since that 2022 all-star game so almost a full season and a and a you know a little bit over a um a quarter maybe a third that is awful that is horrific yeah and you're looking to pay him 40 million dollars and now i don't even think the market would truly be there for a guy like fred van vliet 
but because teams want those trade chips for max guys, a team like Houston is definitely offering him that two year, uh, $80 million contract because at the end of it, mid season trade deadline, they can trade him and he's an expiring contract. He can make it work. Even if they keep him for the full season next year, he's an, he's an, a very expiring contract. And so they can make money work. They can pair it with their younger players. You know, maybe, you know, Jabari Smith or, you know, uh, Green doesn't work out and they just go out and they pair him with Freddie to get, you know, a superstar. Yeah. That is totally plausible. And I really think that, like, Fred, he's going to get the bag, but he's got to be careful because he will get traded if he goes to a place like Houston. It's a safe bet for Houston, but is it a safe bet for Fred at the end of the day as the man who bets on himself? So it, it'll well, be 80 million. I mean, this, this <laughs> like, but, but the reason he would take the 80 million two years is that he can secure another bag on the other side of 30 in the right place. Right. And so it's like, is that the Ooh. right bet for himself or is that the Houston gets to take advantage and then ship him wherever? Whereas coming back to the Raptors would provide a longer, maybe not that total value because we would be like, Fred, come on, help a brother out, you know, help these guys out. But th- this is where we don't really know exactly where things are going to land. But when it comes to our roster, I don't think any more decisions are made until Fred's decision is made at the end of the day. Yeah. He's definitely holding us up. And I think that like, you know, the $80 million is great for him. Absolutely. And if he gets, you know, the bag on the other side, I would be shocked. We've talked about it, man. The way that he's played, the way that he's, uh, you know, been kind of driven into the ground by Nick Nurse a little bit. Maybe it'll be different in a different situation, but he's a smaller point guard who plays heavy minutes and plays a, you know, a, a heavy style man on his yeah. body it's a lot of you know doing what what kyle used to do and and taking charges and and you know playing hard on defense and i just don't know how well he's going to hold up if his body's already kind of broken down at 29 and in two years he's going to be you know True. definitely on the wrong side of 30 most nba players exit their peaks at 32 33 years old and so what team is going to be looking at him and giving him max money? And now the CBA is going to be fully baked in. And there are going to be teams who are just not willing to give any kind of mid-level to him. And he could be looking at bargain basement money. So, I mean, he could come to the Raptors and stay on a five-year contract and we can give him good money over that five years. Or he could bet on himself and see where it goes. And I'm I'm assuming he's going to do the latter. Um, but I just... Track record. I'd be, scared of him to do it yeah if i was yeah. him i mean it, it's a tough situation and, and fred's gonna have to follow his heart it's why we think he's gonna take the money because he has that track record of betting on himself mm-hmm. but i mean hey don't we kind of have his replacement with uh our five eight undrafted guy yo when i when i heard we took noel i i thought to myself I know this name from somewhere. And then obviously everyone remembers the, tournament. The, the viral clip of the guy arguing with his coach and then setting up the absolute banger of an alley-oop dunk. But could he be the next Fred Van Fleet with our organization? Anything's possible. But at this point, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of done with Fred. I love Fred. I'm happy with Fred and what he's done, but it's time. It's time to move on. 
at this point. It really is. Yeah, unless he comes back for a really great contract, like she it's won't. just not. Yeah, either sign and trade him, or you know, Gabe Vincent's a, a good option. Couple years younger, very similar stories. You know, work themselves into the players that they are today, and he played you know so well in the first three games of the NBA Finals that people had him as a Man's, NBA Finals MVP candidate. So man's been making four million dollars a year. I'm happy to pay him ten, twelve million a couple of years. You know, he can he can do good things for us on that kind of money. For Bro, sure. even fifteen, like you know, for three, four years, like that's not the worst thing for him. Um, you know, give Greedy some time to. Uh, get in there give noel some time to get in there and and figure that one out man i'd also be interested in like a fred van vliet sign and trade for you know norman powell and terrence Mann. anybody i did you you messaged me that and i thought to myself we got a norman sized powell hole in our toronto raptors team who wouldn't be happy to see the norm god back i mean if the bucks figure themselves out i'd be i'd be i'd sleep a lot better at night with norm god coming off the bench against that team matt knows how i feel that way but it's everything's kind of up in the air you know gary trent jr staying on taking that option you know and the rumors of him um, wanting to sign us an extension is great especially when you know when we get into talking about darko in the future of where our offense could go like i think gary is sold on what the raptors are selling even though the Raptors kind of don't really know what they're selling at this point in time. Gary is looking through that and he's thinking, you know, I had not to disrespect Portland, but like Gary did not have a good time in Portland. He said it himself. He, he wasn't feeling appreciated. He wasn't happy with his time there. And I don't think Gary wants to roll the dice again on another franchise. I think Gary has, has found something that he's comfortable with and he wants to let himself continue to grow. And, you know, when I think about Darko and the way that he's reaching out to players, the way that he wants to play a system, I think Gary could have an absolutely fantastic season ahead of him. Could I also say that, like, there's no other spot in the NBA where he's going to face as little competition at the guard spot than the Toronto oh, Raptors? Yeah. Like, how many <laughs> how many teams are as depleted at the guard spot as, as the Raptors are? Especially if we don't have Fred Van Vliet coming back. So he could take over as the primary guard. Now... Obviously, I don't think that he's going to be handling a lot of the play setting up duties. You know, it'll definitely be between Scotty and Siakam at that point. But I mean, heck, man, like he may as well stay. And I think that he probably could have opted out and gotten a little bit more money and a little bit more security. But I think what he really wants to do this year is prove that he's a max money kind of player. True. And I think that's his goal. And I think that, you know, why why would he sign like a three year contract and and, you know, kick that can down the line if he can prove it this year and i think that he has full confidence in his abilities i think that he has full confidence in the fact that you know darko is going to be hopefully running a more uh cohesive offense a more uh sharing offense as opposed to what nick nurse ran which you know we were the number like i think we were top five in isolation plays run as a team and we were bottom five in points per isolation possession Pain. and so like bro but like that goes back to coaching like you got to yeah. know your guys you got to know what's going on and you got to see that stat midway through the season and be like okay we got to revamp this offense because it's clearly not working by giving scotty or i mean by giving siakam and by giving fred van bleet opportunities to just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth right we need to be more, more cohesive and 
you know, I love the the dark oppressor where he's talking about the the ball moving around constantly, and you know, if a shooter misses, it's you know, you just keep encouraging him, you keep passing him the ball if it's an open shot, if he's taking the right shot, shoot and I shoot. think that that's music to a lot of a lot of players ears and especially like you said shooter shoot and gary trent's a shooter man i mean he's a scorer he can do a lot but he you know we want him for that three ball so hopefully it all works out man because man i I like gary i think he's he's under appreciated on defense and he's a lot better of a scorer than people give him credit for so and he's still young enough to continue to thrive and he fits scotty's timeline which is so important and i think it's time to to flip to talking about grady now you know you talk about the competition and it comes down to grady really at this point in time and we want shooters around scotty you know if, if anything about you know a Giannis archetype type player not that scotty is that but in terms of he hasn't proven yet that his three-point shot can fall down, so we have to rely on everything else at this point in time. And how you succeed with that is you get knockdown shooters, and Grady is setting himself up to potentially be that guy next to Scotty. I love the vibes that I see out of this kid, the way that the two of them are together. You know, the fact that Scotty's vibe was Magic Johnson, that was his you know person he looks up to, and the fact that Grady looks up to Bird and Steph Curry, it's like, have we got these two kids that are ready to have something special together? Like, I'm really looking forward to see what this can be. Yeah, I'm nervous. Sure. Um, I do like the the Grady Dick pick. Um, that's such a funny sentence. Um, but I loved his suit uh the ruby red and the fact that he got drafted at the raptors like all worked out but hey man um you know he hasn't done anything yet as of yet um but i have got you know high hopes for him i'm gonna give him a lot of leeway to to grow into it you know he doesn't have to come out onto the scene and light the world on fire but you know knock down your shots in your minutes um he's got the purest shot in the draft so that was that was nice and his mom was a big time basketball player yep um and he's been shooting from a young age and she taught him how to shoot properly right like you know start with the smaller ball and then work your way up so i hope it all works out man he's respect he's respectful as well i think he's actually more respectful than scotty scotty definitely has the bigger ego but i mean are we surprised by this at the end of the day but i will say shout out to scotty you know he did the classic rookie thing and bought his mama car recently the video was pretty great and pretty hilarious but yeah man the vibes yeah. that's you know you, you talk about isn't that uh isn't that darko's uh buzzword isn't it vibes or whatever it is <laughs> yeah um, yeah but I- i'm looking forward to see what this team comes together and you know i think the last real free agent to talk about that we haven't really discussed yet before we really dive into darko is with Jakob. What's going to happen with the Purtle? You know, obviously him and Siakam are best buds, right? They're real tight. They're real close. He's come out and said that he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild. Now, is that just him leaning into his leverage? Because let's be real here. If Yak, I mean, Yak has to be aware of the fact that he knows the leverage that he has. We can't afford to not bring him back, but also like, depending on the direction we go, like, can we afford to bring him back? Like, the only worry that I have oh. is that this is going to turn into the we told you so situation when it comes to people thinking about the trade that happened just a little while ago for this guy. Yeah, I think um, 
I think that's exactly what it is. It's the, we shouldn't have done that. We should have last year realized that we were not going to be a competitive team. Right. And we should have just held on to that first round pick because the fact that it's going to uh, the Spurs next year, I mean, barring a top 10 bottom finish, which I think is possible if we don't bring him back and we don't bring Fred Van Bleed back and we trade Siakam. Yeah. Like, yeah, we can hit another top 10 pick, but I don't think that's the direction that we really want to go. And I think the fact that, you know, we're, I would like to give him, you know, a very similar contract as to what Lutz just got, you know, a $20 million a year contract, keep him on the team. I think that he adds, you know, that, that consistent center position, um, I don't think that he's a top 10 center, like uh, Masai said, but definitely top 15 in the NBA. For sure. That's for sure. For yeah, sure. I mean, so he, he can battle with the like best, but he can't compete with the elite, right? Like at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Like he can definitely take on like DeAndre Ayton, but, and that's another like possibility that we could do, right? We could maybe do a sign and trade with Yak and add in you know maybe an auto porter jr or a malachi flynn or a chris boucher or maybe even a precious and get a deandre ayton back and have deandre ayton as our center and now i know that he he's like you know that type of guy that wants wants to be a part of the offense but i mean if if it's him scotty Grady dick and an og on the on the court and we've traded siakam and fred van bleed's gone and gary trent jr's the other guy like that's enough you know between the five of them to be a good starting five yeah and they're all young under the uh, under the age of 26 like that's a that's a good team to build with man from there and you know the my favorite point about that is is you brought up og ananobi who we've seemingly let go under the radar in this conversation so far because a player that we both love i mean i'm just waiting for him to sign a long-term extension before i go buy an og jersey because i'm a big og fan but scary to think that maybe he doesn't want to be here maybe he does want that bigger role fact of the matter is is if we don't get rid of siakam if we don't move off fred there isn't a ton of space unless Darko has the movement that we're expecting out of it. But yeah, DeAndre Ayton would fit great as long as, again, Fred and Siakam aren't there to take up this ball movement. Like, we're just coming full circle again and again, Matt. Like, this is just where we are. Well, I think I have been saying since the beginning of our podcast that uh, Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam can't be a part of this team's future if this team wants to win a championship that we needed to extract assets and value out of them. I thought last year was the perfect time. You know, we had a NBA all NBA player and an all-star. Um, but I, and I also see the the value in keeping them. So I understand why Masai did it. I just I personally never ever believed that with the two of them at the helm we could do it. And I think that, like, that's, I guess, better perspective from being outside the building, not seeing them every day, not understanding how hard they work, not, you know, all of that. But, yeah, I think I think it's fully coming to a head at this point. And I saw this this uh, tweet that said, that, you know, like, if we lose uh, Fred Van Vliet for nothing in the free agency period, it'll be Ibaka, Gasol, Kawhi Leonard, Danny Green, and Fred Van Vliet, all wow. from that championship team. No, nothing coming back in value. Not Dang. one single set. And, and that's how you go from a championship team to the bottom of the league. 
Masai. And, Sorry. <laughs> you know, but, but, I, but, you know, to add to that, like, you're right, but also the fact that we've been treading water as well as we have, considering all of that fact, because obviously yeah. a bunch of it is, is not doing the due diligence with the front office, but also it's, we're the Raptors, man. We don't get the respect. It's Toronto. People don't want to pay our taxes. There's so many factors to it, but man, that hurts to, to hear a list like that. But yeah, man, let's, let's go into a rebuild. Let's let the guys walk. Let's bring in D Rose. And if, if uh, Miami cuts Kyle Lowry, let's let him come back. They can be our veteran boys to come off the bench. Well, Grady and Scotty figure it out. Like, let's have some fun. If we're going to have to roll that way, get that, you know, 10th pick back to us. Bro, I don't even care if we're trying to run it back. If the Miami Heat cut Kyle Lowry, he's got to be a Raptor. Come like, on. He's got to be a Raptor. Come on. Come back, retire with us after next season. It would make all of Canada just so happy. I mean, like we're, we're talking about pure glory if that happens. But, you know, we've we've got Summer League coming up. You know, Darko's going to have his chance to see if he can get this offense rolling through the boys. And I don't want to say too much about Darko. I think we can we can talk about him a little bit more when we see what Summer League can happen. But we're both excited about what he can bring. We've, we've mentioned it. We poked at it here and there. And his vibes, man, his vibes are, are pretty good. And if he can get the right staff together and if – if Scotty can buy in and if the boys are ready, I mean, we're hoping for some positivity in the next few months, that's for sure. Yeah, I just hope that he can get the, the team to be a cohesive unit. That's really because, like, I think the entire theme of our podcast from this past year has been, man, the Raptors are so talented, but don't want to work together. Man, the Raptors have so many good players, but none of them seem to be on on the same night. Like, I mean, it was all a disjointed team that led to this season. Really, it's, it's vindicating when you hear the reports that the team was not together as early as December. It was you know Nick wasn't having it as early as December that we were aware of it and we were kind of watching it happen from the outside looking in. And oh yeah, I mean, this is the reset button, right? That's why the the coach honeymoon phase is what it is. And if things can come together, maybe we won't be too far away from the Miami heat that Masai thinks we are, but yeah, man, we'll see summer league games around the corner, you know, second week of July. We'll see what the young rooks can do for us. You know, man, I think it's going to be a great summer league. I think uh gritty Dick is going to hit so many three pointers. It's going to be outrageous. So hopefully <laughs> That's what comes true, uh, and I'm a happy camper. The the 12-year-old Raptors fans on forums with their dick jokes are just not good, kids. You got to stop, guys. You know, we, we love Grady, but, I, I mean, he seems to embrace it. Like, let's be honest, we love the number one pick. Everyone's joking around here. Let's be real. It's We, we all know what he's going for here at this point. So. Yeah, no, it's it's uh it's awesome and the chance that other teams are gonna you know give him apparently he's the type of player who he enjoys that he wants that he wants you to get in his face because it just it raises his level and hearing that that's exactly what i want to hear about a player is that when uh, enemy fans are chanting your name are aggressive towards you are telling you you suck you come out and you hit that shot and then you just you know Let's hear, let's hear it, guys. Let's hear it. Come at me. Come at me. 
He's got he's got the Larry Bird energy for that swag. man. That's that's where it comes from for me. So let's let's roll on our rap chat. Let's talk about this draft because like everyone was expecting Wemby to go first, but a lot of people that are gonna be yelling negative things towards that second pick, you know, Miller, he's he's gonna have to be able to have that same feeling of 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 shutting out the crowd and, and putting up and performing because you know, every guy that goes in the top parts of the draft believes in themselves that they can be, you know, that number one pick, that number two pick, that number three pick. But with the Hornets and the situation of picking for fit, he's going to have to step up and, and prove that it was worth it. That's for sure. Yeah, I think that's a tough one, man. Um, I'm definitely not. You draft for fit. Like, clearly with the Montreal Canadiens, like, you don't draft for fit. You draft for talent and you figure out the fit later. Because if you draft enough talent... There's always talent to be traded for. There's always, you know, fit to be had. So, um, yeah, I would have I would have taken Scoot Henderson if I was Charlotte. Um, you know, LaMelo has already proven that he's had some injuries. His brother has proven that, you know, he, you could really break down as a ball. Yeah. Um, so why not get a backup policy, a guy who we've seen his architect our archetype work in the nba i mean no it's never won a championship but it's you know definitely been that type of player who's who can be the second best player on a championship team so to me i think it was uh it was a little bit of a wasted pick on their part but hey they seem to think that brandon miller has the the same kind of ceiling that scoot henderson does and that's that's their prerogative it was a number it was just another one of those picks that made this a fun draft honestly the fact of all the different movement that we got to see you know the thompson twins going back to back which will be really cool for them i think you know in the future you know as brothers at the same time i think about where we were at 13 the fact that cam whitmore was available and seemingly fell to the rockets at 20 which could mean one thing but also you know when a lottery pick falls out of the top 15 and goes to a team like the rockets who are just waiting for guys to step up and be readily available that's that's a potential recipe for serious success so there's a lot that is going to come out of this draft you know five ten years from now people looking back at it there's enough talent spread out through here that some of these guys have some potential to to be a part of the next face of the league that we're seemingly getting into well yeah i mean Wemby is everybody's you know darling pick i'm just I'm nervous about him because he's quite, quite slight. Yeah. And, I mean, for the knockdown shooter that he is, he hasn't cracked 30% in France. So, I mean, look, man, people get really, really hyped up about prospects like him, and I think that he could be amazing. I also think that there is a higher chance than typical that he could be a bust. I mean this is where it gets an interesting conversation, right? Because like as basketball fans, like both of us want Wemby to reach his potential because of how great that will be for the game. But also I know Matt, I know this guy, he's real about life. He understands the fact that we're all just, you know, struggling to survive. We're all just fighting it to get through here. So he's going to look at, at, at least the other side of it. And when it comes to big men in the past and what we've seen in this league, you have to be cautious. You have to be ready. We're all waiting for Chet Holmgren to come back and have a good rookie of the year potentially campaign coming up to fight Wemby. But yeah. at the same time, like he could be two weeks into the season and fall down and break another big bone and he's out, right? Like this is what happens with big, tall, lanky guys in the NBA, you know? 
people love Yao Ming for what he did in the league. I'm sorry, how long was his career? Injuries do what they do. It's just a fact for these guys. No, absolutely. And when you typically draft at the top of the draft for size as opposed to um, like talent, which I'm not saying that he wasn't the most talented player, um, but you you do get into trouble. I mean, look as recently as DeAndre Ayton over Luka Doncic. They drafted for size and, you know, that big center position. That's and that what they Texas wanted. Fit. And, and again, not going with a guard-heavy player or ball-dominant player because you already have a ball-dominant player in Devin Booker. But I'm sure the Suns, if you ask them today, if they could go back and redo that pick, they're taking Luka Doncic, hands down, no questions asked. So, like, that's the thing that I get into. And I'm not saying that Wemby wasn't the most skilled player because, you know, looking at his tape, like, he is just so skilled for that size. Yeah. Um, But again, the caveat is for that size. And, I mean, it might work out. He might be amazing. But he could also, like you said, and like I've insinuated, run into a Joel Embiid and get broken. Mm, so true. So. But hey, you know what? It, worst case scenario, it was all worth it for that photo of him standing next to Timmy, to the Admiral, to Mono. That kid is towering above some of the greatest big men this NBA has ever seen. Like a wild photograph, man. Bro, when they start lying about your height, the down direction <laughs> or the up direction, it's sketchy. <laughs> Absolutely wildly crazy. So, you know, we'll, we'll be sure to review this draft in the years to come. There's a lot of interesting names that are going to come out. Everyone's waiting to see if they can find the next Nikola Jokic of the second round. But free agency, baby. The last part of this pod that we got to talk about today starts tomorrow night. And as we've learned in recently with free agency, it actually started about a week and a half ago. And some deals are potentially already written under the table and we're just waiting for that deadline to hit so they can be like hey i already joined that team i mean i i'm signing with this team right now so tomorrow night's gonna be you know there's gonna be some moments we weren't expecting Mm -hmm. that exciting of a free agency we weren't expecting much to happen but over the past week or two i mean yeah not not much but over the past (laughs) week or two let's let's be fair there's been some names that have showed up there's been some people that have declined some options there are not any needle movers you know but but there's a couple of uh there's a couple of good players that are available there's a couple of pieces that could be the right fit to help your team be competitive so matt where do you want to start who do you want to talk about what's interesting in your mind well i kind of want to like do something that's not in free agency but has happened recently and moved around is the cp3 the warriors um because i think that that was a desperation move by a dynastic franchise that is trying to keep it going and i think that when you get into moves like that when you're making it for desperation's sake it's an issue um i think jordan Poole isn't even you know that much worse than cp3 is at the moment he gives you a lot more energy he gives you a lot more points no, he's not the floor general that CP3 is. And no, he's not as mature. And yes, Jordan Poole was kind of a cancer in that locker room. You know, uh, all the things that came out of the the whole Draymond Green punch situation. But man, you couldn't get anything better than CP3, who's like, he's broken at this point, man. He's <laughs> going to be 30, what, nine? Yeah. 
what's he gonna I mean, do? Like he's gonna carry them for fourteen minutes a game? Great. They're still not good. They're they still want, not good enough. They wanted OG. We wouldn't give it to him. But see, I'm I'm re- I'm really that was a joke. A joke. No, I, I, I need that. So oh, they they asked OG and we turned them down. No duh. <laughs> duh. Okay, so I'm I'm slightly conflicted with CP3 because I I'm a hundred percent with you. I'm on that train. I agree completely with everything you're saying. But there's still this narrative that exists, which is is a narrative, but it's it's chirping away at the back of my brain is that every team that CP3's joined has gotten better. It's had that little bit, and and I know that there's things about basketball that happen off the court that enable teams to get you know, over the hump to go all the way, you know, with, with that Boston team that existed, right? Like from where they were last season to how far they, they came back from, you know, the depths that they were at, that involves a lot of off the court basketball things. So I'm not going to say, I'm not going to stand here and say that the CP3 decision is an awful, incredibly bad decision. Now talk to me in a few months. I I might be, I might be, I might be pulling the rug out under, under that type of, of statement, but it might work, you know. The Golden State Warriors have stated and proven now that they are on this veteran train. They want to ride out with Curry. They stand with Draymond. That's the biggest thing that 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 this says is that they stand with Draymond, and Draymond most likely is coming back for sure at this point, and and they're going to give it another go. But your choice of words, desperation, nailed it because that's where they stand. And and if I'm a fan, I'm <laughs> I'm not feeling good in Golden State. Absolutely, especially when you're going to pay Draymond Green over thirty plus million dollars to come back. And um, like the one caveat that I'll say to your um, CP3 makes every team better is kind of what you talked about about the off court stuff. That's where he has really made the biggest impact on those teams, yeah. right? On those young OKC teams, on the on the Phoenix Suns. Like, yeah, his on court play has been awesome, but it's really just the fact that he is a steadying presence in the locker room. They don't need that in Golden State. Like, they shouldn't. They've got Steph Curry. They've got Klay Thompson. They've got Draymond Green. So if he can't even be a leader on this team. True. Because, you know, you know, talk about somebody who talks trash. Draymond's going to probably talk trash to him. Like, you know, we used to beat your butt all the time. <laughs> and so what's going to, you know, transpire there with CP3 and yeah. that locker room? And is he really going to be able to make the impact that they're anticipating because he's not the leader anymore? And I... You know, I think that that's a huge, huge, you know, risk calculation. And I don't know if they got it right. I really don't. It's definitely question marks in Golden State right now. And, you know, the the other side of that trade was Bradley Beal to the Phoenix Suns, which I think has as many question marks still as well. Because obviously Beal, that man with that no trade clause, well done, Bradley Beal. You got to go wherever you wanted. Now you're part of this big four that might be a big three eventually, but for now is a big four that, you know what? Yes, it's a it's a four barrel gun. It's the fourth horseman of weapons right now. It can do whatever it wants, but at the same time, Kevin Durant, I'm sorry, is getting older. Bradley Beal has an injury history in the past. Booker can only do so much, and I mean, Aiden's checked out. Like this Suns team is selling the future for a chance and while it may happen matt it's so scary what's happening in phoenix right now 
man, Aiton was already upset about the touches that he was getting. And now you've got three ball-dominant scores. Yes, I understand Bradley Beal scored 30 points a game in a couple of seasons. He was on bad Washington Wizards teams where he could put up as many points as he wanted. It's going to be like the same effect with Jordan Poole. I bet you Jordan Poole averages like 25-plus points a game this year. But he's on a loser. (laughs) People people are joking he's going to win the scoring title on the Wizards. And you know what? It might happen. Very it might happen. But that doesn't make him a good basketball player. No. You know, it doesn't make him a winner. And so, like, the fact that, you know, you have three guys that basically do the same thing. They're, you know, shot creators. They're shot makers. And you have them to, like, different varying degrees of, of ability. And nobody's really a true defender. Like, yeah, Katie's a, a plus um, above average defenders. I would say Booker's an average defender. I'd say Beal's slightly below average defender. Yeah now we you got it neutral like you got an average defense and you're just hoping to outscore people like i don't know about you man but we saw in the nba finals like how many games were 120 to 115 not, not one many. i don't not one i don't think so yeah you're right i think most of the games were in the 90s in the low hundreds yeah, and 108 at most here there. 110 maybe you know, i think is what yeah 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 so, and that was a winning score by, you know, double digits. So it's not about the offense that you can score. It's about shutting down the other team when it matters most. And they don't have the requisite guys to do that. So I don't know, man. I, I, I wasn't the, a fan the, of the move. I love that the narrative is, oh, this team is a championship team. Yeah, they got six players right now, maybe five actually under contract. Well, let's talk about them when the season comes around. But yeah, I, I don't need to, I don't need to say more about the Suns. I really am interested in that Celtics trade. You know, this team selling basically the heart and soul of their franchise, defensive player of the year, just a, what two years ago, for yeah. Christos Porzingis, who, let's be real, has the potential to be great with the yeah. two J's, let's be honest. But can that team still thrive without Marcus Smart? It is a very interesting dynamic change that is about to happen in Boston. Yeah, man. I just I like the shakeup. Uh and I do like the fact that like Marcus Smart is was probably the de facto leader because he'd been on those teams when the Jays showed up. Yeah. Um but now the Jays are definitely gonna have to take more of that ownership. I don't know how great Chris Stapps fits in the locker room. I know he shoots threes. Yeah. He gives, you know, more of a leeway for Robert Williams and gives them different looks, you know, more offensive look versus more defensive look. Um, I think, like, ripping out the heart of your team is hard, though, because that's what Marcus Smart was. That's why he was the leader, because yeah. he was the heart. And so now you're, you, you know, you're getting rid of that, and are you going to be as gritty? And that's, you know, that was what got them to the NBA Finals. That's why they were so dominant. I mean, yes, they have offensive talent coming out the wazoo, but man, like it was that gritty defense that got them there. So, yeah, it's a, it's a weird one, man. It's a, I don't know about you, but it, it has potential to work out, but it has potential to completely backfire. Yeah, absolutely. And the more interesting side is the, the Grizzlies situation, right? Like Marcus Smart is the perfect archetype player for the Grizzlies technically speaking right he's everything Dylan Brooks thought he was in reality right and so it could work out great but also they're going through their own battles with John Morant being suspended 25 plus games like at the end of the day 
interesting situation, fun little movement of players around, and we'll see in the future how it affects things down the line. No, absolutely, man. It's it's going to be interesting to watch those two teams, and maybe he can you know knock some sense into Jaw and keep them afloat while Jaw's out. So that's a <laughs> somebody else pretty too. good option. Man, they're better without Jaw in the last two years. So. I mean, who knows? Jaron Jackson uh, Jr. is the true star of that team. Let's say that. Him and Desmond Bain, bro. Him and Desmond Bain. And uh, (laughs) I guess we can finally get to free agency. Not that, you know, anything has happened. But lots of rumors. Kyrie's meeting with the Suns. Bruce Brown to the Lakers. Um, I mean, everything's out there. Freddie to the Rockets. Uh, There's a lot, you know, twisting in the rumor mill. I'm just... I'm really hoping that the Raptors just do something in this free agency and, you know, help our team out to make it either better for next year or completely worse and guarantee us a top five pick. I mean, I'm pretty sure something like 50 to 60% of the league has already done something, made some kind of trade or movement this offseason. John Collins is on the Jazz, okay? He's off the Hawks finally. That man was in trade purgatory for years, 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 every time. Yo, you guys want... You guys want John Collins? Any trade talks? No. You, you pick up the phone and you're like, "Who's calling us?" It's the Atlanta Hawks. You, get, you guys want John Collins? Like, for years we've been waiting for it, and he's off the table. So, like, Raptors, do something, please. Come on, guys. Like, we want it. We want it bad. <laughs> oh man. Anyways, man. Like, at least Tobias Harris isn't gonna get traded for a box of uh, crumble cookie. But I liked what he said, though. I really liked it because he's right. Like. Players like him don't grow on trees, and he's a very valuable piece to a championship squad. I would argue that over the past couple of postseasons, he's actually been one of their most impactful playoff players. Yeah, more I mean, than Harden. I mean, way more. That's a that's a whole other conversation, and you know that I agree with you completely. And Tobias has that Chris Middleton steal you a game six archetype player that that Matt knows that I that I love to talk about, and Chris Middleton declining his option. Are you going to go join the Rockets? Like, Chris, where's the money for you, man? Where, Where's the money for you? Like, are you going to force Are you gonna force Milwaukee to make you pay a ton of money and then not have options to be good? And then you're just going to let Sign your boy... trade with Tobias? Ooh, yo, that would be such a funny flip. Tobias and, and, and Giannis and uh, Drew Holiday, I think, is a legitimate big three. You know? I think it is. You know? It, yeah. it would be the most interesting situation of the offseason. I kind of would love the speak into existence moment that we might have just witnessed here. But yeah, man, we're going to we'll we'll uh, we'll come back to this in a week's time. See where things settle, see where people move. Not much more that I, that I really need to bring up here. Yeah, man. All I'm going to say about, you know, the future and my missing prediction is uh, Greedy Dick, Summer League MVP, baby. Over Wemby, over Chet. This man's gonna hit so many threes. I have it. I have a feeling. I have a feeling with Darko's offense, it's gonna revolve around him knocking down threes. I've and, marked. Uh, can't wait for it. I've marked those dates in the calendar. I'm gonna be glued to my screen, excited to watch and see what this Raptor squad can do. For me, easy prediction here because I know what I would do if somebody was dangling two years and eighty plus million dollars in front of me. I'd be taking that money, like generational wealth i know he's already got it but fred wants that money he's gonna take that bag we'll we'll come back to this in a week's time and see what really happened man dang bye freddie
it'll be it'll be the end of an era but at this point you know our conversation can stop we can fight